0: Uh, let's get into the Word this morning. We're getting to this point a little bit later, but I think that's okay, isn't it? I mean, God met us this morning already. I could probably just wrap it up and say, have a good day, but I want to get into the Word. Uh, we're back in 1 Peter chapter 1. I want to thank uh, Brenda Simons that preached recently, the m- missionary. Uh, the Lutheros last Sunday did an excellent job. Uh, Monica, thank you for your word about children. Wonderful ministry there. But um, we're getting back into our study of 1 Peter. So we're in 1 Peter uh, chapter 1. I'm going to start reading at verse number 22. Why don't we stand one more time? Then you could sit down for the next two hours while I preach. No, only kidding. Uh, 1 Peter 1, 22. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, In sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever, because all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers, the flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. Father, thank you for this passage and thank you for our study and this preaching series through First Peter. We pray your blessing over it, Lord. I know you put things in my heart, but let it come out the way you want it to come out. Let it, let it be received the way you want it to be, be received. And Lord, in the process, we pray that you will be honored and glorified at the preaching and proclamation of your word. And may your people rejoice and be excited about it and, and, and internalize it into our own lives. And Lord, if anyone hears this message, either here on live stream or later through video, if they're not walking with you, if they're not Christian people, may they be convicted by your spirit to surrender their lives to you. So thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Anoint me as I preach. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen and amen. All right. Well, um, the two previous sermons on this in this uh, preaching series had to do with holiness. Uh, the first one was a holiness, our reasonable service, in verses 13 through 16, and then last time it was why holy, uh, on, from verses 17 to 21. Um, and now we're getting into a, a, a major teaching uh, in which this is an actual way in which the church could practice holiness. And very simply, as we just read, the reality of holiness, we're holy before God, but if we're not holy before our brothers and sisters, we're never going to be holy in front of the world. So we could experience holiness by our love of God and by our love for the body of Christ. I've entitled the message today, The Power of the Living Word, And all this is based upon the Word of God working in us. How many of you can relate to that? Probably, I'd I'd be willing to say, none of us would even be in church today, at least a church like this, if, if the Spirit of God wasn't all over you and you weren't born again. But when you heard the Word of God, you received the Word, you internalized it, you made it your own. And that Word, still working in us, is changing us. As the Word says, from glory to glory. I mean, this morning during worship was glorious, I thought. It was wonderful. Well, that's just a step in the process. We're being changed from glory to glory. So in this passage, uh, Peter uh, explains the process of salvation and sanctification and living out our faith in Christ, which is actualized by a changed lifestyle. And that is manifested in our love and concern for, guess Who? people, those critters that roam this earth. We love people because we love God. And so uh, this blesses the Lord and, and we bless other believers. We can say we love God and we love His people. And this is only accomplished by a changed life by the Word of God continuing to work in us. You ever notice that a life that dishonors God is a miserable life? You ever notice that? You ever notice that a life that dishonors people is also miserable? I think of Ebenezer Scrooge, thinking about Christmas time. I think about his life of misery because he just, he's just so, so bitter and angry and messed up. He, he had no love and compassion for people. He had a miserable life. It was only the power of God that changed his heart. But in this, in this passage, uh, Peter uh, is similarly, I would say, a life that honors God is a blessing to us. A life that honors people is a blessing to us. Peter is flowing, uh, is flowing with God's love here. Um, we've received uh, faith at salvation. We must begin to allow this faith, this love, this care to flow out of us onto other people. Anything less than that stifles the work of God in us. Anything less than that hinders the effectiveness of what God has called us to do and what God has called us to be. We'll never never get into Matthew 28 or Mark 16. Go into all the world. Go to downtown Haverhill or wherever and be a witness. Tell somebody about Jesus. That will never happen if we can't begin to love God and love each other in the body of Christ before we take this message out to the world around us. I think of in Acts chapter 2, when the church was birthed. Remember, the Holy Spirit came, filled the believers. They spoke in tongues. They were empowered. Peter, preaching the word of God with great anointing. I would say the new Peter. And uh, that day, what, what, 3,000 people got saved and baptized in water. But the very next passage, in in Acts chapter 2, the very next thing, Luke records this. They continued... You know, they didn't continue jumping up and down and getting baptized. No, they continued in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, in prayers with one another, and in the breaking of bread. In other words, they continued with each other in the body of Christ. So there's something about salvation happens, hallelujah, but then it's a working out of our salvation within the body of Christ. They continued with people, and guess what? We must continue with people, Now, for Pamela and I, we got saved in North Carolina. There's a whole different breed of people down in North Carolina, but they accepted us Yankees, and and we got into the fellowship down there, and we learned a lot from them, and they learned a little bit from us, maybe. But um, we're called to continue this process today. We can say Christianity is both horizontal and vertical. It's horizontal, and we worship God. Like this morning during worship, we were worshiping God absolutely worshiping God, but it's also vertical because now we love and care for one another. So this is what uh, Peter addresses in verses 22 to 25. Remember Peter, just have to say this. I, I love Peter. I can't wait to meet him one day. I don't know if he's going to be at the pearly gates, but maybe. Gruff tough fisherman type of a guy, loud probably, disrespectful at times. From the Gospels we hear this, inconsiderate, insubordinate sometimes. But now this same man is instructing the church to love each other. I love that irony of this. Peter is a changed soul, absolutely. I read in 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 13, the word of God works effectively in those who believe it's amazing what the Word of God can do in a yielded heart. Peter and Paul, in our, in our estimation, are prime examples of a changed life, changed by the, God's Word, by the power of God, and following God's Word, not for a season, hello, not just for a couple of years. They followed the doctrine in the Gospel until they met Jesus face to face through death. This is what we're talking about, a, a changed life forever you know, by the power of God and the power of God's word. God's word, let me just say this up front, will keep us close to the Lord. No word in our heart. I don't know what's going to happen. We may be like a ship sailing on the ocean without a, without a, a motor or a rudder, just being cast to the sea, going a long life without any direction. But when we're in the word of God, we have a, a, we have a guide. We have a, a compass. We have direction in our lives. And like I said, it's not just for a season to get you through a rough time. Although that might be what brought us to the Lord in the first place. However, as that gets worked out, there's going to be another crisis, another situation. But even when there's clear sailing, we need God's direction in our lives. If you leave me all alone, my mind begins to wonder. I don't know about anybody. I need to be grounded in the word of God. Amen. All right. So. All right. We're going to do what we do, and that is go verse by verse. And then I'm going to give you some application to this uh, when we get through with that. So verse number 22. I'm using New King James Version. But it it says here, since, or some translations say, now that... You, you've been you've obeyed the word. But mine says since you've you've been pur- since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit. So however it's worded in your Bible, what that means is since you're saved, since you're born again, since you're a new creation, since the old man has died, the new man within you is living. Um, and, and note here, I just want to digress for a moment. Note the uh, the action of the believer You you have purified your souls in obeying the truth. Uh, Romans 10 9 says, If we confess the Lord Jesus with our mouth and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. There's a process of confession, believing, practicing our faith. On the other side of that, James 2 19 says, In case you don't know this, you need to know this, even demons believe. So you know, everyone was, oh, I believe. Well, okay. but well, what do you do with your belief? See, if you're not practicing what you believe, I don't know where you are with God. I don't know if God knows where you are with God. But even demons believe, of course they believe, they know the power of God, absolutely. But it says they tremble at his name. So people, oh, I believe in God. Okay, what are you doing? Are you confessing it? Are you believing it? Are you practicing your faith? They, they, these people, and they're referred to as pilgrims in chapter one, the believers, but they've purified their souls in obeying the truth through the spirit. They're born again. And with, with a purified heart, just to paraphrase verse 22, love each other with a sincere love, uh, love each other fervently with a pure heart. And again, I want to piggyback on the last two messages that were kind of interspersed in the last couple of weeks. But those two were about holiness. That was going right into this. What I think he's saying is, if you want to live a holy life, get right with God. Yeah, get right with God. But now, live out your faith within the body of Christ. And that's why most pastors and most people will tell you repeatedly, you got to get into the fellowship. you got to get into the flow of God in your community. You have to have a community of faith people around you. Christianity is designed to be with people. And so he's saying, since you've been purified, since you've been saved, you know, then he says, uh, love one another fervently. Does your translation say fervently or something like it? Maybe with enthusiasm or with passion? Not a casual love, not a love from a distance, but really love one another. Be passionate about your love and concern. This is within the body of Christ. We're not even talking about the world. We're talking within the body of Christ, to love each other. I think this is reminiscent, and again, I, I believe Peter is remembering things from his time with Jesus. It was the Last Supper. And Jesus, as they're doing what they're doing there, they're getting ready for the Passover. Jesus says to them, I'm giving you a new commandment to the 12 apostles. I'm giving you a new commandment that you love each other the way I have loved you. And Jesus says something so profound. They outside will know that you love me by the way you love each other. Powerful, powerful word. There was another apostle there named John. You know, John was a partner with Peter in the fishing business, but John wrote in his epistle in 1 John 1, he said, live in the light and love the brethren. If you're living in the light, you must love the brethren. Peter and John got the message. If you're living for God, you have got to love each other. And then he says in verse number 23, he says it's flat out in the wide open, having been born again. If you're born again, you got to get this church your holiness is being worked out in your love of God and your love for the body of Christ. But you haven't been born again. And here I, I, I can't prove it, but I can't help but thinking that Peter's remembering the story in John chapter three, when Jesus had an, had an incident with Nicodemus, the Pharisee. And this ruler of the Jews comes to Jesus by night, kind of sneaky and says to Jesus, what do I do to get to heaven? And Jesus says, well, you're a a man of God, you're a a ruler, and you don't know? He says, you must be, what, born again. Well, how do I be born again and all that? Well, by the Spirit of God. And here Peter's echoing the same thing. You've been born again. You've been born again, not of corruptible seed, but in corruption through the Word of God. You've been born again by the word of God working in you. See, you can't, we can't live a holy life. We can't love each other on our own strength. It's not going to work. It may work for a little little bit. But when the word of God, the living word of God, is living inside of us, our spirit person is changed. It's it's on fire for God. We're different than we used to be. We begin to actually care for people. And and that's what he's saying here. Um, So... (laughs) born again by an incorruptible seed, born again to eternal life. I I love this analogy. We have the Word of God. We're born again into eternal life because the the seed of the Word is alive, living within us, now living in us. And now what is in our heart is living and sharper than any two-edged sword. Peter says in some of his writings that we have this gift in earthen vessels, And he says in another place, thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. John 3.16 talks about the free gift of God as eternal life. And here uh, we're thanking God. We're born again by the eternal word of God. Do you know that everyone will spend eternity somewhere? There's only two choices. It's either heaven or hell. The ticket to heaven is through the blood of Jesus Christ anyone not covered by the blood is is determined already to live for eternity somewhere. Scary thought, if you ask me. But everyone's designed, when God breathed life into us, this is why we're different than all the other animals in the animal kingdom. We We have the capacity for eternal life. We will live eternally somewhere. And what Peter is saying here, you have the eternal word of God in you. You have eternal life now this is why we're different. This is why I'm not perfect, but we are different than those that don't have the word of God. Let me, let me take you back for a minute. Look in chapter one, verse 13. Uh, I'm sorry. Verse number three, chapter one, verse three, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We have a living hope In our heart. Whether you realize that or not, I mean early on in our in our life, I didn't know what was happening really, but I knew I was different. I knew the attraction and pull of the world wasn't like it was before. I knew what I I had to do basically to keep on God's good side and good, good graces. There was a living hope in my spirit. Then I read in chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, we're not redeemed by corruptible things, but we're redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. We have a living hope because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ living within us. And now in, in chapter 1, 23, we're seeing the word of God is working in us. The word of God is it's like maintenance for us in a way. We get saved, right? We, we get saved. But then we live out our lives and and the maintenance that we need is found in the Word of God. I read the epistles in particular and I I think, man, these epistles were written to Christian people. And we think we have trouble sometimes. But those epistles were addressing real issues in people's lives. But this is our guideline. This is our meat and potatoes to make it through this life into eternal life. So, in verse number 23. I just want to get into this for a second. It says, uh, You've been born again through the Word of God. The, the Greek word for Word right there is the word logos. It's the constant, written, eternal, never changing Word of God. It's like the Word of God. You, you've heard the Word of God. That truth in the Word of God is changing you. So there's some major events at play in these two verses. The crucifixion, the resurrection, the perfect Lamb of God—he covers our sins with His blood. He changes us. He pays the debt we could never owe. And then the Word of God comes, and the Bible says in various passages. Let me just read this. If you want the list, I'll give it to you later. If you want, if you ask me. The Word of God says that the Word of God is pure. The Word of God is perfect. The Word of God is enduring. The Word of God is eternal and sanctifying and living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. I got all the references if you want them. But the Word of God is alive. And in in this passage, we're hearing a a theme in the Word of God. If God's love is working in you, you're forgiven, you're cleansed, you must begin to love God back, yes, but you must begin to love the brethren. It's through the power of the Word of God that we're able to do that. Then he says in verse 24, because, and here he's quoting from Isaiah chapter 40, verses 6 through 8. In that context, what the Lord is saying there is that Israel will fade away, Babylon will fade away, Assyria will fade away, all the enemies of Israel will fall, but the Word of God will live forever. Peter's repeating this for New Testament times. All flesh is as grass, all man and beast will die, the glory of man as the flower of the grass, the glory of man, all the trophies, all the degrees. All the accolades, all the successes, all the Super Bowl rings that Tom Brady has, they're all going to fade. They're all going to fade away. The grass withers, the flower fades, all of life diminishes. If you ever notice, if you leave anything alone, it just diminishes. I've noticed that with my car. My tires go flat all by themselves. If I don't use it for a little while, it's like, it's like this much lower than it was two weeks ago. You leave anything alone, it's going to shrivel up and die. Leave a garden alone, it's going to die. It won't produce any fruit. Well, same thing. But the Word of God, it says, the Word of God will live forever. The eternal Word, the eternal faith, the eternal life that we have is designed to last for all eternity. And then it says, so verse 25, But the Word of God endures forever. Now this is the Word which by the Gospel was preached to you. Let me just say something about the Greek word for word in verse 25. This is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. If you look it up in a lexicon, or maybe some of our Greek people will know these words. I didn't know the Greek, but in verse 23, the the word for word is logos, the, the written word, the constant faithful word of God. The word in verse 25 is a different word. It's called rhema, the rhema word of God. What the rhema word of God is, is a personal, instant, on-time word at the moment for you. So what he's saying is, when you heard the rhema, when the word of God was preached to you, whenever that was, to the pilgrims, when you heard the word of God, It wasn't only the Logos Word of God. It was the Rhema Word of God. It came alive in your heart. All the elements of salvation were working together. Your heart, your spirit, God's spirit, the one sharing the message. Everything worked together to make it come alive in your heart. And in that Rhema Word of God, you got saved. That's what what we all got, right? The, The Word of God came alive in our heart. So... So, uh, Romans ten seventeen just another reference. I go to this all the time. But faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Not only the Logos Word of God, but the Rhema Word of God. And when the Rhema Word of God comes, you know it's for you. You, you think, I've had people say this to me. Pastor, you're talking to me during that sermon. Well, no, not really, but in the Rhema Word of God situation, yeah, you felt that way. But that's the Holy Spirit working in you. I'm just trying to preach the Logos. But sometimes it's received as the Rhema. <laughs> and then it gets interesting right there. But, so I, we've entitled the message, The Power of the Living Word. So let me give you some things to think about here. I want to give you four aspects of the power of the living word. Okay? <clears throat> First one is this. The power to save. The word of, verse 23, you've been born again by the word of God working in you. Jesus, in Luke chapter 8, told a parable. He called it, or it's called the parable of the soils. He says, a sower went out to sow seed. Some went out by the wayside, but the birds came and snatched it away. Some fell on rocky ground, but since it didn't have any water or moisture, it withered away. Some fell among the thorns, and it choked out the seed. But some fell on good soil, and it sprang up and yielded a good crop a hundredfold. And some of the disciples said, "Okay, Jesus, I, I hear the parable, but what's the meaning of the parable? He said, well, the seed is the word of God. The soils are people's hearts. Those that the seed fell on the wayside, uh, those that people hear the word, but the devil comes in like a bird. A devil comes in and steals it out of you. I had that happen to me on two or three occasions before I really got saved. I had the, the word of God preached to me or spoken to me and I received it kind of, but it was like the word on the wayside. The devil came in and snatched it right out of me and life got progressively worse. Those on rocky ground, they receive it. They receive the word with joy, but they have no root. And when temptation comes, they fall away. I guess I felt I felt in that category, too. I did receive the word with joy on one occasion that lasted about a week, to tell you the truth. After that, just things happened. I fell into temptation and fell away. Some fell on thorny ground. It was choked off with the cares and riches and pleasures of the world. No maturity there. Why? Because I was in that category, too. I heard the word before. And I, I wanted pleasure in my life. I didn't want to give up anything. But then it, the, some of the seeds fell on good soil. Good soil represents those that have heard the word with a noble and good heart, and they embrace the truth. The seed is the word of God. The soil is the heart of man. The seed is perfect. The Word of God is perfect. It's able to do great things in our lives. Paul says in Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, the good news. I'm not ashamed of the Word. It's the power of God unto salvation, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. It's the power of the Word to change a life. In Ephesians 1.7 it says, In Christ we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. Many of you know my story and Pamela's story. When I went to college, my first time around, I was in a Christian college, and uh, part of the curriculum was I had to take a Bible class. And I had to read the first five books of the Bible. I shared this with the church before. I, I, I tried to do it. It was the driest, boring, most boring thing. I, I, I just couldn't get into I, I I attempted it. I was reading the Logos Word of God. But when Lenny was talking to me and Pam that day, Lenny was sharing the Word of God. And a lot of it I kind of knew, I knew about. But when he shared the Word of God, it all of a sudden became rhema. The Word of God became alive. I could feel the presence of God through what he was saying. It was an awesome, awesome experience So I received the living word of God and my life was changed. And guess what? As time went on, I would share the same word of God with someone on the street somewhere. Maybe in someone's home or maybe, you know, wherever in a prison. Did a lot of prison ministry before. The same word of God that changed me is starting to change other people too. And so when when I preach in church, listen, one of the greatest things for a pastor is to have someone get saved in church. I used to think, when I first got saved, I I thought, everybody that comes to church is all set. They're all saved and everything. I'm the new guy on the block. I don't, you know, everyone's good. Until I realized, wait a minute, he's coming up for salvation? He's coming up for salvation? Church should be a place where people come to hear the Word of God, feel comfortable with God's people, and mingle in. I knew what one guy, whose wife was a Christian, dedicated Christian person at at our previous church, and he was a Jewish man. He attended that church for years, never accepted Jesus. One day, like four or five years later, the altar, same altar call was given, and old Matt stepped up to receive Jesus as his Lord and saved. Five year, four or five years going to church faithfully, even being involved in the fellowship of the church. Never received Christ until one day the Word broke through into his life. So... The power of the living word is, is the power to save us. I want to encourage you, church, to know the word, share the word, live the word. Because somebody you know needs what you have. And they may never come to church, at least not yet. But they may have coffee with you or have dinner with you or whatever. So know the word, share the word, and live the word. <clears throat> Here's number two. The power of the living word is power to purify purify us. I read uh, earlier this morning as we opened up 1 John 4, 18. It says um, uh, perfect love cast out fear. Because in fear there's torment. But when Jesus comes, when the perfect love comes, he cast out fear. This was my devotional this morning uh, before church. And and so this man was just a two minute devotional. He was saying some of us have Have fear of failure. Fear of being punished. Fear of being humiliated. Fear of not being good enough. Or fear of maybe have a health issue. Fear of dying. Or maybe fear of somebody else dying. But perfect love comes (coughs) and covers that fear. Fear in that kind, it says fear is like torment. I don't know if you've ever been to the place of having your soul tormented feeling guilty, feeling not right, feeling like, oh, what did I do? And that's fear. And fear brings torment. But the love of God, perfect love, cast out the torment. So when I say uh, the word of God purifies a life, listen, our shame, our guilt, our grief, our sorrow, all the stain in life, all the sin in life, all the, all the things that we've done or we thought about that happened to us, it mars it it damages what god had intended for the church the only thing that i know is the remedy is the word of god that's why in romans 12 2 we talk about how we renew our mind you know we renew our minds we don't think like the world we're transformed by the renewing of our mind how do you do that you get into the word of god the word of god is what does the work it's living it's powerful so Hebrews 4.12 says, The Word of God is living and active and more powerful than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. James 1.25 says it like this, If we look into the perfect law of liberty, that's the Word of God, if we look into the Word of God and we continue in the Word of God and don't become a forgetful hearer but an effective doer of the, of the work of God, you are blessed in all that you do. There's a process called purification, sanctification, but the Word of God, the living Word of God, purifies our soul as we live in this life. Ephesians 5, 26 and 27 says, Jesus gave himself for his church that he might sanctify her and wash her with the washing of the Word. Second Timothy 3.16 says all scripture is inspired by God is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction and in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, lacking in nothing. The, the living word of God purifies the life. If you have moments of feeling guilty or feeling ashamed or feeling not good enough, you're a Christian now. You're saved, but you still have these thoughts in your mind and your life has not been good to you or whatever. Let the word of God purify you because God didn't save us to leave us like the way we were. He saves us to change us and he changes us to use us for his purposes. Many, many Christians, amen. Many Christians can never kind of step up to the plate to do something because they feel so insecure about everything. I'm just saying, I've been there myself. Believe me when I tell you, I know what I'm talking about in this one. Let the word of God change you. You can't change yourself. You know, your spouse, your kids, your family, as great as they are, the the word of God living in you must change your heart. It's personal. It's very personal. So the the third issue is this, the power of the living word. The power of the living word is that it has power to last. It lasts forever and ever. Isaiah 40 is what we read earlier from uh, 1 Peter 1, 24, a little bit of 25, repeated from Isaiah 40. But the word of the grass fades, the flowers, everything fades away. But the word of God endures forever. Echoing, echo again. I think Peter is remembering all these things that Jesus taught him. Jesus said in Matthew 24:35. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. My words will last for eternity. David said in Psalm 119, he says, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. It's forever settled in heaven. Psalm 119, 152 says, Concerning your testimonies or your word, I have known of old that you have founded them forever. So David had this awareness that the Word of God, as good as it is at the moment, will abide forever. The power of the living Word. So everything from Genesis to Revelation, every truth, every story, every teaching, every parable, every prophecy, every, for every generation, every culture, every time, every place, every language, every people will last forever. When we go to heaven, we're going to hear the Word of God proclaimed. We're going to hear stories of how the Word of God changed people's lives. We're going to see, see uh, angels recount stories of how God worked through them to do something on earth. I, I want to encourage you, hide it now in your heart. It's going to last forever. You will last forever if Christ is in your heart. Let the Word of God be your guide through this life to make it into that life. I can tell you, Pamela and I accepted Jesus in 1977. Some of you weren't even born yet at that point. And, uh, you know, it's been a life. It has been a life, let me tell you. But if we didn't have the Word of God, I don't know what I... would be like driving somewhere without a map. I wouldn't know what I was doing. The Word of God is our guideline. And it lasts. It lasted these 40-plus years. It lasts forever. And as as we got into our Christian faith, I realized, you know, like, I, I used to think that, you know... This was brand new. Like, nobody knows about salvation. 1977, the charismatic movement, God was moved. Wow, no one, knew, no one knows about this. Then I realized, well, 100 years ago, there was a revival. 500 years ago, there was something. Way back to Acts, and I read Acts chapter 2, oh, 2,000 years ago, the same thing was happening. The same word that was working in Acts chapter 2 is working today. It's the same thing. That's how powerful the word of God is. It lasts forever. Hallelujah is right. The last thing is this. The the power of the living word, it gives us power to speak. I talked about the logos, the word of God, the consistent, faithful, definite word of God, and then the rhema word of God for that moment. Uh, Again, Lenny Stadler was, was telling me Bible verses and things. It became, it became logos and somewhere along the line it changed into rhema for me. I got, I got it. it. He was speaking to me. You know? And sometimes people think that you're speaking to me. That's, that's the rhema glory of God working in the word of God. Let me give you some examples of how this plays out in the scripture. In Luke 138, you know, getting ready for Christmas. The angel came and told Mary, Mary, you're going to have a baby? He's going to be great. He's going to be the son of God and from the line of David and all this stuff. And Mary says, let it be done unto me according to thy rhema word. Like at the moment. It was the word because there was a promised Messiah coming. At that moment, it was the rhema. It, it became real to her at that moment. Now, th- this message may be rhema for some of you. For others, it's going to be Logos. That's up to the Holy Spirit and you to figure that out. In, in uh, Luke 3, 2, we have a little story of John the Baptist. You know, uh, It says that the, the word came to John while he was in the wilderness. And the word said, begin to preach the kingdom of God now. So John knew the word. He knew the logos. But he got the rhema, that boom, John, now's the time. You begin preaching repentance and that the is coming, the Lamb of God is here. You begin to do it now, like at this moment. Uh, Luke chapter 5. Uh, I love this. Again, I, I, I can't prove it, but I think Peter is drawing from all of his experiences. Remember the, the story in the Bible where Peter and his buddies went out fishing. They're fishing all night long. They don't catch a thing, not even a nibble. They come in and There's Jesus on the shore and they're tired and they're, you know, they're worn out. You know, they've been fishing all night. And Jesus says, go out and cast your net again. Catch some fish. And Peter says, Lord, we've been fishing all night, but at your word, your rhema, you're speaking to my heart here. It's not just a word like a good idea. It's the rhema living word of God. For this moment, we'll go out and do it. And by, by golly, they've got a big catch of fish. But that's the rhema word of God. In uh, Acts eleven sixteen. 16, um, again, Peter, uh, <laughs> this is so good. Remember the story of Peter when he was witnessing to Cornelius, the, the Roman centurion. And uh, he received the Lord. He was baptized in the Holy Spirit. But it says, it says in Roman, uh, I'm sorry, Acts 16, 11, Peter then remembered the word, the rhema word of the Lord that said, John baptized with water, but I'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit. That's like when, when we're witnessing to somebody and we have a scripture tucked away in our mind. It may be tucked away for a long time, but at that moment it comes out as the rhema word of God for that moment, That's the power of the living word. So let me just summarize this, and we're going to wrap this up. But the power of the living word is a power to save us, to save those people in your lives or in my my life that are running from God and obstinate toward God. But the same power of the word that saved us can save them. The power of the word to purify a life. And can I tell you, it takes a lifetime in this. It doesn't happen, you know, some things may drop off quickly. Most things takes a lifetime to get purified. That's why we need to stay in the living word. The power of the living word is that it lasts. I I love this aspect of it. I could, I have messages. you know, in my office, I have messages. I have boxes of messages that I preached. I save them all. I have, I have stacks. This probably, this probably this high. I'm talking, well, maybe even higher. I'm talking about 30 years worth of preaching. Got a lot of sermons. I could take one on the bottom and preach it today. It would be just as effective. It might even be better today than it was back then. It's the same word of God is what I'm saying. It lasts forever. I love reading books and, and hearing messages of people that have died already. The word is still absolutely right on. It doesn't end with a life, a person's life. It just continues because it's living. And and finally, the the power of the living word is that it speaks to us. I I hope that God is speaking to you today through this. I hope that God is speaking to you even through our worship time, actually. Because that worship time, to me, if if I could articulate that, that was rhema right there. That was the living word of God being manifested in our midst. That doesn't, we don't plan for that to happen. It just happens. God just does it because he wants to do it. I want to encourage you, look for the rhema. Look for opportunities to share the word and trust God that whatever you're saying will come alive in that person's heart. Let's stand together if we can. The final instruction in all of this, that we have the living, the, the power of the living word in us, saves us, purifies us at last, it speaks to us. In the context of that passage, now then, get all that going, love God and love people and begin loving people in the church. And then once we get that, we can begin to take it outside of the church and love other people into the kingdom of God. Every head bowed for just a moment, please. Hallelujah. Jesus. I wonder if anyone's here this morning and uh, I'm just going to ask, well, ask two questions. We just said the power of the word saves us. Does anyone need to be saved today? Anyone need to be saved? Young person? Old person? God working in you? Anyone online today, you need to be saved. You know you're not. You need to be. You may even feel your heart pounding a little bit right now because you think, he's talking about me. But that's the rhema going on right here. Today, the word says today is the day of salvation. You don't know what's going to happen later or tomorrow or next week or next year. Today's the day of salvation. And secondly, I want to ask this question. Is anyone ready to admit that you want the word of God to purify you? My hand, both of my hands are up. I want the word of God to purify me. I want to stay on the potter's wheel where he's fashioning me into the image of Christ. Sometimes that's a, that hurts, but he wants us to get on that potter's wheel. Okay, I'm going to pray. Father, Lord, in your name, we want to thank you for this service today. Lord, this has been an exciting day, if you ask me. I'm, I'm happy. I'm, I'm impressed, Lord, by your presence. I feel you. I know you're here. I know. You, I knew you were here in worship. I know you're here in the, in the preaching of your word. And Lord, among other things, <laughs> in John chapter 1, the word of God says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Lord, you are the word. And so when we talk about the word of God, we're talking about you, Lord Jesus. Lord, prepare us for Christmas. Get us ready for Christmas. When the word became flesh and dwelt among us, gave his life as a ransom, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Father, I want to pray for The invitation for salvation to ring out, ring out through this body of believers on the live stream. Let us take this this part of the message and share it with somebody that we love. And Lord, also the purification part. Most of us need a little purification in our words, our eyes, our thoughts, our actions, whatever. We pray, Lord, that you would put within us a desire to stay in your word that we may become purified. It won't happen otherwise. Let us not be alone, oh God. Lord, as as some people have said, let your Holy Ghost hound us, bother us. Uh, Let your Holy Spirit uh, come upon us to make us uncomfortable enough to do something about our predicament. And so we welcome your presence, Lord. And Father, in summary, take this message, Lord. Use it for your glory, for your purposes. Let the body of Christ be better for it. And um, let us begin to love one another with that same love in which you have loved us. This we pray in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. amen and amen. Well, praise the Lord. Next Sunday. It's the first Sunday of December. Christmas is coming. Prepare your hearts for Christmas. God bless you.